Hello, Kansas Reflector fans. I'm Rachel Meepro, and I'm here today with Chloe Chaffin, the program lead at Loudlight and the chapter president of Washburn Urge, which is Unite for Reproductive and Gender Equity, along with Leslie Bush, the field director with the ACLU of Kansas. Today, we're going to be discussing abortion legislation and the general scope of abortion in Kansas right now. So both of you guys are fairly well-grounded in the whole um, reproductive rights fight. So just tell me how you got started with that work. We can begin with Chloe. Yeah, so for me, I think it's a story much like any other young activist of my age. Um, I was always interested in this like academically, and in high school I got involved with debate and forensics, um, and though I was already quite familiar with a lot of these issues, that really um, grew my uh, scope and interest of researching these related topics. Um, then I came to Washburn University, where I'm currently a student now, um, particularly because I wanted to be involved in politics and wanted to be in the capital city. Um, and once I got here, I got involved with Loudlight, which really grew my advocacy skills, um, where I serve as the program lead, like you said, and then through coalition membership with Loudlight, I was able to meet the folks at Urge Kansas, um, who encouraged me to restart a chapter at Washburn University two years ago, where I've served as the chapter president ever since. Um, And so it's just been this wonderful network of other engaged Kansans who have kind of showed me the ropes, and um, to all of those folks, I'm incredibly grateful. And Leslie? Um, Yeah, so I actually got my start as a foster care case manager. I worked in southeast rural Kansas, um, and that was the first job I had out of college. It it totally radicalized me, turned me into an organizer, because I could see how policies impact everyday Kansans' lives. And the families I worked with needed a lot of support that the state wasn't giving them. Um, My first organizer job was in the reproductive rights movement, so I got started at Planned Parenthood Great Plains in 2018, um, and now I'm at ACLU. Um, but really learned organizing, like, like Chloe just said, from organizer friends in the organizing ecosystem of Kansas and really took the roots of my social work job and figured out how do we actually change the policies and impact people's lives. Now, both of you guys were involved with efforts to um, overturn the, or the uh, landslide August abortion amendment. I mean, what was that like? How did you guys work on that? What were effective messages? Yeah, so for me, uh, it really started with um, urge advocacy on campus at Washburn. Um, We participated in uh, Urge's abortion positive tour last spring, where we had a week of speaker opportunities and tabling events just to kind of get the word out and have folks sign pledge to vote cards um, to get ready and get folks aware of the primary election. Um, And then from there, we went on to, um, I volunteered at the uh, Johnson County campaign kickoff event, helped train some folks to canvas, spent the summer canvassing myself, just talking to friends. Um, and doing as much uh, social media work as I could, both with um, the urge side of things for Washburn and then also with Loud Lights Vote Nay campaign as well. Yeah, and I, I started working on the amendment um, really on April 27, 2019, which was the day after the Kansas Supreme Court found the right to abortion in the Constitution with the Hodes case. Um, so I started um, doing constitutional amendment teach-ins to try to break down what we thought was going to happen, which did immediately happen. They introduced a a constitutional amendment in the 2020 legislative session, but we defeated it that year. Um, We had the votes to stop the amendment in the legislature, um, but of course it passed in 2021. Um, So yeah, most of 2021 was really laying the groundwork, trying to break down the language of the amendment to call out um, its classist and racist implications for Kansans, um, to really break down stigma around abortion care, normalize abortion care for Kansans to try to change the narrative 
And that was all started really even before we knocked our first door and made our first call asking folks to vote no. So this, that campaign has lasted years and in a way continues because we obviously still have a lot of work to do in changing the narrative around abortion in Kansas. And what are you guys seeing today? I mean, we're seeing a lot of legislature, a lot of bills right now. Um, what's the general Kansas attitude towards abortion and reproductive rights? Well, I think that obviously if you look to the results of the August 2nd election, the vast majority of Kansans do believe in the right to abortion in our state here. Um, and so I think it's really important that we lead with that and lead with the just small d democracy side of things. Um, but I think also with that, another concern I have is just with some of the bills that are coming out this session, there's trying to be a restructured narrative of who are the kinds of folks that have abortions and support abortions. And for me, what's really important to remind folks is just that whether or not you may be aware of of it. All of us know and love somebody who has had an abortion. Um, and it's not even necessarily folks that um, like fit one ter- particular demographic um, that support abortion. And then it's also folks that might be religious, folks that work in childcare, folks that are already parents that are having and supporting others who are having abortions. Um, and so we just need to keep that full scope of our identities um, aware and alive at the front of this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I second everything Chloe said. Um, yeah, like they said, we it was a landslide victory, and Kansans came out and said, um, you know, and, and ideas around abortion can be really complicated and personal and unique to the individual, but also folks in Kansas said, we can't make that decision for someone else. And I think that while there's really a, a diversity of opinions about abortion care in Kansas, and that is still true, on August 2nd, we showed that no matter where your opinion lies, most folks still think that decision should be up to the individual and their doctor and their faith, their family, and not up to politicians in Topeka. And that is something that we really came together on was that message that we should make these decisions for ourselves. And we trust our neighbors to make those decisions for themselves as well. And you mentioned politicians in Topeka. Right now, some of the bills we're seeing are um, this idea of a born alive thing where uh, some lawmakers believe that, or we just saw in the House that um, they passed legislation making uh, it's hard to even describe that, but basically it's just saying that any infant born alive after a failed abortion needs to be given the proper reproductive care. I mean, does this actually happen? Are born alive babies the norm? This bill is absolutely propaganda and not based in medical science. Um, this bill is something that we've seen across the country. Um, it's something that my f- friends in Missouri have seen um, it's something that is really the, it's a tool to rile up language and people's fears around abortion care. Um, and the truth is that abortions that happen later in pregnancy are typically really vulnerable situations that folks are in, making maybe the toughest decision of their lives. And what these politicians are doing are taking those extremely sensitive, vulnerable scenarios that families are facing and using them as a political football to rile up their bases. But this bill is not based in science. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely agree. I also think that it's trying to um, switch the story to be about um, how one side wants to love and protect children and one side does not. And I think that that's absolutely not the case. Um, personally, I am somebody who was raised in the church um, as a person of faith. I am somebody who worked at and volunteered for many years in a daycare setting. Um, and I've always loved children. Um, and yet I think that 
if we are going to talk about the way that we love children, we need to be looking in a reproductive justice framework, which means not just looking at abortion rights in a narrow sense, but about having safe communities where people can make and or not make the families that they choose. Um, and I think a lot of these situations where there does need to be an abortion later in pregnancy, like Leslie hinted at, those are usually situations in which the pregnancy was wanted. Um, and so to say that those folks that are choosing to make those personal vulnerable decisions um, are folks that just do not love children um, can be very hurtful to people that are in one of the darkest days that they may ever face. Um, and I think we need to keep in mind those people's right to autonomy rather than coming at them and trying to presuppose um, intentions that we just cannot know from the outside. Yeah, I think it's worth adding that, you know, the amendment language was shrouded in that too. It started because Kansans value women and children. Um, but the truth is that politicians in Topeka have a variety of ways to show that they value children and families. And that includes things like expanding Medicaid or axing the food sales tax or making sure that our public schools are protected. And we are seeing them chip away at all of those things that could actually have a real impact in the life of Kansans. And instead, they're focusing on exploiting really vulnerable stories. And another thing I want to discuss just with bills in the legislature, um, we're also seeing this abortion reversal legislation that is would make, if it goes through, would make um, physicians in areas that provide abortion pill medication uh, put up notices in areas where the pills are provided saying it's not too late to reverse this. I mean, it may be reversed. This could be possible. This might be an option. Um, what do you think of this whole abortion reversal legislation? So this bill, um, I saw this bill in 2019, and we were able to successfully defeat it because legislators saw that it wasn't based in real science. Um, the medical community is in consensus that this is not based in science. Um, the studies that are typically cited on this bill are um, not board approved, um, use really s small sample sizes. Um, and so it's a really concerning bill in that way that um, it could really if it were passed, could really leave patients and abortion providers in a really vulnerable position to really give misinformation to their patients. And I think it's also adding on to the fact that in Kansas, there are over 20 medically unnecessary restrictions to abortion care. Um, and so this would be yet another restriction on abortion care that's not just your normal regulation that we need on medical care because it's medical care, but would be an additional restriction that is not needed and would put patients and doctors in a vulnerable place. What are some of the restrictions? Um, waiting periods, um, font sizes at the clinics, um, consent forms. Um, uh, most of them revolve around uh, the patient who is seeking abortion care. The assumption is that they um, are not empowered to make a decision that's best for them. Um, and so there is a lot of extra waiting time and paperwork involved to make it harder for them to access abortion care. I think that that language um, is just dripping with guilt and accusation on the part of the lawmakers trying to tell people that they don't know what's best for them, which I think is such a shame. And also, when I see all these bills, it makes me think about, um, frankly, just the makeup of our current legislature. I think the, the benefit of having a citizen legislature, as we do in Kansas, um, is that these folks should be able to represent the everyman, come in with their diverse career experiences. Um, but unfortunately, we have a lot of folks that come from a legal or business background. And while that means that they are 
very well versed and informed on certain issues that may affect our state. We don't have that representation of folks who are um, providers or folks who work in the medical industry to the level that we ought to, to be able to make these decisions. Thus, it is incumbent on those policymakers to rely on the experts that come in and give testimony. Um, and yet we see time and time again that that has not been what they have shown us they are willing to do. Um, and so when we talk in this state about home rule and local control constantly, um, I just look to the August 2nd election and I think that um, we need to respect that decision um, that folks made. And then the same folks who proposed that amendment were the folks that got to choose to have it on a primary election date when there's typically low turnout. Um, they got to choose the wording of that amendment. Um, and when folks on the pro-choice side of things were saying that that language was misleading and confusing, uh, they, they denied that that was the intent. Um, but when all of those things were in the control of folks who proposed the amendment, for them to now come back and say that folks didn't know what they were voting on, and that's why they are justifying all of these new bills um, to restrict the right to abortion in the state of Kansas, um, I just think that that is um, a little bit disingenuous, and it kind of, it just hurts my heart as a Kansan, frankly. And why do we keep seeing these bills come back, you know, like oh, years and years? Like, is there a reason? <laughs> I mean, I think we knew that after August 2nd, they weren't going to say, okay, you know, we, we tried and it's clear that Kansans feel this particular way and now we're just going to respect that and, and leave it on the table. Um, we knew that they were going to come back and continue to try to chip away at, at abortion rights because the truth is the amendment, despite a lot of the misinformation about it, was an attempt to ban abortion outright in Kansas. And we defeated that attempt, but we know that the fight's not over. Any of us who are organizers in Kansas know that every day is a new day where we must fight for a right to live our lives with dignity um, and fight for fellow Kansans to live their lives with dignity and be able to choose what's best for them. So this is just another attempt, and they will. we expect them to continue this. And both of you have been doing this work for a long time. Is this mentally draining? How do you feel? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I feel tired, but I'm also heartened by the results of August 2nd. Um, and for me, I think that if Roe was precedent for half a century and it was still hotly debated every single one of those 50 years and it was overturned this past summer with Dobbs, I, I, I think that that's not going to end anytime soon. If 50 years wasn't long enough to settle the debate, I, I frankly don't know that it will ever be settled in my lifetime. Um, and so on one hand, that can be frustrating at times, um, but on other days, that just gives me hope that we were able to protect it for as long as we were and that the state of Kansan was able to be the first in the nation to show folks on the national stage that we are not what they assume Kansas is and that we are a place that has um, loving, empathetic people with progressive policies in mind. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I see amazing things in Kansas every day, um, especially, you know, I, I was really honored to be a part of the organizing around the amendment this summer and see... Um, especially young people come and, and pick up and um, pick up skills. And, you know, like Chloe mentioned, like they put this on a primary. The language was not of our choosing. It was incredibly confusing. By all means, we played on their home field and we still won. Um, and we also are more skilled up and more powerful than ever. And every day I see that being true because our coalitions are stronger and our, our skills are better and um, we're even more prepared for next time. So what does campaigning for you guys look right now? Um, how do you lobby people toward the effort? How do you get people activized? 
<laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me as a college student, um, that's kind of my home field. What I can work on is just focusing on the students at Washburn and across the state of Kansas and making sure that we are, as Leslie said, skilled up. Um, I feel like that's the one silver lining is that we had this little advocacy boot camp for the past year um, and we are stronger for it. Um, and so I think that's exciting. But um, I think for a lot of people, um, for many years, it's kind of always been the assumption that young people, especially, you know, eight to 25 years old, um, that they just don't care about politics, that they're just busy doing other things. Um, but I think having this debate be so central to our lives over the past few years, um, if anything, it has made sure that um, Gen Zers are more likely to be engaged. And one thing that we always try to emphasize um, with my work with Loudlight is that the best predictor of whether or not you vote when you're 50 isn't anything else other than the fact of whether or not you vote when you're 18. So since we are getting people in the gate so early, um, these folks are going to be in the, the ad advocacy pipeline their entire lives. Um, and so that's at the end of the day, what's been giving me hope. That gives me hope too. Um, I see y'all. Um, and yeah, I would say, you know, the most important thing is just for everyone to find a political home. Um, I mean, like you said, like these, these attacks, they hurt. I mean, I'm, I'm 30 years old. I'm going to be making decisions about the future of my own family, probably next decade of my life. And I want to be in a state where I have access to all of the choices that should be available to me. Um, and I want that for everyone. I want that for everyone I love in Kansas. And so I think the most important thing when we have these tough days and it feels like everything's stacked against us is to find a political home where people love you and care about you and also, and put that into action by working toward a better world. And maybe that's with Loud Light, maybe that's with me at ACLU, uh, but there are so many organizations in the state that will welcome you and find a place to put your skills. And to me, that is the most important thing. Nice. And we'll go back to what you guys are seeing this legislative session. Besides Born Alive and abortion reversal, is there anything in particular that got your interest, anything you're worried about? Mm -hmm. um, so for me, the other things that I would just highlight would be um, the tax credit debate around the uh, pregnancy crisis centers, mm -hmm. um, as well as um, the potential ban for telehealth um, abortion pills. Um, I think those are really concerning as, um, well, the first one would just be to funnel more state tax dollars into these centers that give the misleading information that is the run through the common thread through those other bills we discussed, um, as well as with the um, telehealth um, abortion pills. Um, I think that that's just such a big equity issue um, because when we have abortion bans, we know that they have um, a disproportionate impact on communities of color, and that also mean, leads into communities of poverty, um, folks who don't have access to transportation. Um, and throughout everything that we've learned from the COVID pandemic, the one silver lining to that has been um, greater equity with digital resources, remote resources. Um, and to have lawmakers try to take that away, um, it just means that the already um, racist impact of abortion bans is only going to be increasingly magnified as legislation like that continu continues to crop up and move forward. Yeah, I second that. Um, the tax credits to crisis pregnancy centers is incredibly concerning. And I think it gets back to this theme of the lawmakers think that Kansans don't know what's best for them um, because crisis pregnancy centers really exist to coerce patients out of making the decision that is best for them. Um, like I said, I used to work at Planned Parenthood and across the street, there's a crisis pregnancy center and we would see um, patients accidentally go to that building all the time. Um, and they exist really to coerce patients um, so we don't want coercion. We want to be able to make decisions that are best for us. And we, we do know what's best for us in Kansas. So these, these bills are really concerning. And I think I would add to that, um, these also fall in line um, 
with the anti-transgender bills that we're seeing in the legislature, the, the gender-affirming care ban, the sports ban, um, all of these things sort of come back to the same issue of polit- our politicians seem to think that we don't know what's best for us and our families, and that's just not true. We do know what's best for our families. Got it. And again, how do you fight this sort of thing? I think just time, patience, and storytelling is what I would kind of summarize it as. Um, I think that um, while these are very personal stories for a lot of people, we have had a lot more people in the past few years willing to come forward and talk about their abortion stories. And I think that that kind of demystifies it for a lot of people and kind of fights back against that misinformation. Um, And I think that's really helpful um, for the folks that are in a comfortable enough place that they feel willing to do so. Um, But beyond that, it's just making sure that we um, reemphasize that this is an issue of personal autonomy. This is an issue of democracy, of listening to voters. Um, And if we don't have that then I think we have a very shaky foundation for the state of Kansas. So I really think that that's something that we need to work on shoring up in the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. I would say democracy is a like a full body sport. Um, mm-hmm. It's a full participation sport. Um, and we can, I think it's okay to take breaks and rest and take care of ourselves, but we also we have to stay vigilant. And I think the way we can do that and sustain ourselves is to be in community and, and love each other by trying to change the world around us. Um, And so, again, I think it's about finding a political home and a place where you feel you can do that and make a difference in your community. And what are we looking at in terms of the future of reproductive rights in Kansas? Do you have any predictions? What are we going to see at the end of the legislative session? Well, um, I think it needs to go beyond just this session. Obviously, I hope that we're able to stop a lot of the harm of these bills, but then I would love to see in the, in the next few years to have just more proactive legislation to be able to support folks. Um, and I think that in general, when we have um, a stronger economy that works for everyone up and down the chain, I think that we're going to see more people feeling empowered to make those decisions. And I think that it's um, to that reproductive justice framework. It needs to also, like Leslie said, be hitting on um, proactive education policy um, and healthcare and everything like that. And so I think none of these issues are disconnected from the others. um, And we need to kind of focus on all of them together, even though that's definitely a bigger challenge. um, It's a challenge worth fighting. Yeah. Well, I can't predict the future. I do think that, you know, like I mentioned, um, when I woke up August 3rd, I felt like we were stronger than ever. Um, And I still feel that in this session, um, especially seeing um, the community that's come out, especially to stop these anti-abortion bills and stop the anti-LGBTQ bills. Um, I've seen really a groundswell of folks learning how to engage some, some for the first time. And I believe that if that keeps happening, then we will win and get Kansas back to a place where all people are free to live the lives that are best for them. Now, on the 27th, I believe, the Supreme Court will have back-to-back hearings on Hodes um, as a result of our our Attorney General, Chris Kobach, who's a little, um, who, who's asking them to reconsider this abortion uh, decision. What do you think about that? I mean, are, are you worried about this? I think this is an example of, you know, after August 2nd, it wasn't that they went into a period of reflection about how Kansans had overwhelmingly shown that they support the right to abortion, but that we will see politicians continue to find, and I think that the Attorney General is a perfect example of this, continue to find whatever angle they can to try to peel away what Kansans truly want. And I think that's just another example of it. Yeah, I would say that I'm I'm hopeful to see the results of this case, um, and I have faith that uh, the Supreme Court did the right thing before, and I hope that they'll do it again, um, but truly only time will tell. 
And then we just mentioned like some of the stuff going on, like the Born Alive bill, that's happening on like a national basis as well. Um, why, why are we seeing these bills reflected like this? Um, I think it really gets back to this, um, you know, Kansas isn't the only place where politicians sort of um, create issues that are um, create issues that are really about political theater and not about issues that would really impact everyday people's lives. And so we see that across the country because it um, riles up their base. Um, riles up really what are a small minority of folks that have these really extreme opinions about abortion. Um, a small minority of folks want to ban abortion outright. Um, and so they, they use this pop propaganda to add color to their, to their language. Um, but it really is just propaganda. Um, and it's really about their own elections. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think for me, after August 2nd, we saw a lot of national attention on Kansas, and it was oftentimes with a lot of um, surprise. And I think it was surprise not necessarily from the best place, uh, where Kansas has long been underestimated on the national scale. And while it was nice to get that little um, positive support and publicity from other states, I think really this just does need to be something where we focus inwards. Um, and while it's great to have that praise from elsewhere, um, we don't really need it. We've been like existing for many years without that national support. Um, and so I want to kind of say that you can kind of keep your praise and we'll keep doing what we've always been doing in Kansas. And um, I'm not surprised that we've been doing great, awesome things here. Um, and I hope that other people would you know, realize that. Um, but short of that happening, I think that we also don't need other people's um, negativity coming into Kansas. <laughs> and if other states are going to do what they want, um, that's their prerogative. But I think here in Kansas, uh, we need to be focusing on what our voters want rather than what the national media tells us that folks in the heartland want. And some of the rhetoric we've been seeing too, which is like just among Kansas lawmakers is um, this narrative of regret that like you need to be carefully considering this, um, especially with the abortion reversal sort of thing. I mean, what do you think about it? They, like Again, I've heard a lot of talk about abortion regret and then also um, save the baby sort of rhetoric. Have you heard that? Yes, I've heard that. Um, I think the the regret so so what we know about abortion is that folks are as confident in their decision about abortion as they are about most things in their life and most of the time folks are confident in their decisions and um and really you know this comes back to um patients that are seeking abortion care should be able to make that decision for themselves period um and so this message about regret, I find it incredibly patronizing and paternalistic. I find it misogynistic um, that politicians think that someone like me doesn't have the tools and the wherewithal to be able to make that decision for myself. Um, I think that's, that's unfair. Um, and I think that's also just not true about patients seeking abortion. Um, for a lot of folks, it's a, it's a really complicated decision. Um, and so, and as far as the like language around, um, protecting children and families. Um, again, I would say um, I would love to see their receipts and how they are protecting children and families in Kansas because I can think of many examples where we could see that impact in our lives and I do not see those the politicians in Topeka doing those things. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and to Leslie's previous point, I think that that language of regret, um, not only is that just not borne out in the data um, that people regret their abortions, I also think that it kind of creates a slippery slope where if we kind of see that argument on this one and say that, okay, fine, the government can do whatever they want to prevent me from having regrets, then that spills over particularly into the anti-trans legislation where they'll say that um, that's why they're stopping folks from accessing puberty blockers or hormones. Um, And I think that... um, that's just something where it can kind of really balloon into a situation that is, like Leslie said, paternalistic. And I just do not want to see that happen in our state. And how is this different from previous years? Like, are the bills you're seeing this year different than other years? Um, unfortunately, I think that some of these bills are bills that we've seen before, but I think what's different right now is just the energy more than anything. Um, and that means both sides are fired up more than ever. Um, so I think that there might be more of a focus, um, but I don't think that the intent or underlying beliefs behind those bills are really any different than what we've seen before. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that, um, you know, the, the, the reversal bill, for example, saw, we saw in 2019, um, We'll probably see it again if it doesn't pass. Um, and I think that this sort of like they, you know, they copy and paste from a lot of other states. Um, they will do that in the future. So I think we can look to other states um, to see what could potentially be coming, both for the good and bad of the future. Um, I think there's also examples in other states of proactive legislation, as Chloe mentioned, um, that we hope to do in the future. All right, and we're probably going to wrap this up. Um, is there anything else you guys would like to add? Anything that you really want to mention? Mm. <laughs> um, I think for me, it just comes down to we need to keep up the good work. And I'm proud of all the young advocates that are out there that are getting trained up on this issue. Um, and I just hope that that energy continues into the future. Like I said before, it's just an issue of democracy, autonomy, um, and just empowering the individual. Uh, we need to build safe communities. And I think that if we want folks to stay in Kansas and grow their families in Kansas, we need to make sure that we have the permission structures and the safe environments for them to do so. Yeah. And I I would say, um, I just want to express gratitude to everyone in the state that is working on these things. I know it's hard and can be challenging when these politicians are playing football with our own lives and our own futures and the futures of our own families. Um, and that can be really scary. So I want to just express gratitude and love to everyone who is doing this work. And also um, and also say, like, we got your back. Like, we're going to be here. Um, we are going to figure it out together. And um, again, find a political home and find a community that's working on this. And, and that's how we'll do it. Awesome. Well, this was Chloe Chaffin and Leslie Bush. Thank you both for being here. Thanks. Thanks.